Would you like me to seduce you? That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he walks in a mine. Why is the rum always Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's a trap! Hey guys, welcome to the Celluloid Fiends Podcast. I'm your host, Mo. You can follow me at Mitchell C. Long on Twitter and Instagram, and you can read my writing on film and a lot more at cupofmo.com. And as always, I'm joined by my phenomenal co-host. What's up, everybody? This is Gabriel Orto. Um, if you want to go ahead, go to Facebook, give us a like on Facebook, that'd be fantastic. Thanks, as always, for listening. We really appreciate the support, and we'd also appreciate it if you went over to the iTunes store and subscribed and rated us and gave us a review. So tonight, we are talking about Bubba Hotep. This movie came out in 2002. It was directed by Don Coscarelli, had a budget of $1 million, and made $1.2 million at the box office. It currently sits at a 79% critic and audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is actually, I think, the first time that I've seen the critic and audience scores exactly even on Rotten Tomatoes. So, what is this movie about? It stars Bruce Campbell as Elvis Presley, now in a nursing home, the Shady Rest Retirement Home in East Texas. And there's a backstory that Elvis switches places with a renowned Elvis impersonator, Sebastian Half also played by Bruce Campbell, but a mishap with a propane tank destroyed the only documentation proving that he was the real Elvis. And during his stay at Shady Rest, uh, Elvis befriends Jack, uh, Aussie Davey, who claims to be JFK, but died black after the assassination attempt. So the pair begin to notice some strange deaths at the retirement home, And they believe these are caused by a reanimated Egyptian mummy dubbed Bubba Hotep by Elvis. So this was a Gabe pick. Yes, it was. Why did you pick this film? Um, it's a... A lot of people would go ahead and review, like, Evil Dead or something along that lines when it came to Bruce Campbell. But I wanted to pick a Bruce Campbell movie that maybe some people had not seen. And this was... A good pick. Uh, I love a lot of the Phantasm movies. I didn't realize it was the same director, though, until afterwards. Because I was like, who directed this? And I looked it up on IMDb when we were sitting in your in your living room. And it's like, oh, shit. This was done by the same guy who did Phantasm. Uh, and this was my first time seeing it. And I'd heard a little bit about it. A lot of people had recommended it to me just because they know my movie tastes and I'm a big Evil Dead fan uh, and I love Bruce Campbell but this movie was not what I expected it was just batshit insane and it just worked miraculously there's a lot of comedy elements to this movie too get a few good laughs in there Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously at all it's it's pretty fun loving 
it's very fun loving and it's hard for me to see anyone except for Bruce Campbell in that role as Elvis. No, not a, I, I can't see anybody else doing this role in this movie. No, it just required his goofy persona and not taking himself too seriously. And his delivery has this kind of faux serious quality to it, which solidified that role. Exactly. Uh, so how many times have you seen this? Um, not that many times. I've probably seen it three, four times. Has your opinion changed from the first time you watched it to the most recent? Not really. I, I always really enjoyed this movie. I always think it's a good a good laugh and even a good like comedy horror movie. And there's not a ton of those that I truly enjoy. There's not a ton of horror comedies that just are on the top of my list. Like Shaun of the Dead and this are like a couple of the three or four that I really enjoy. Yeah, I so I tend to enjoy horror comedies. Uh, Evil Dead Two is great. I loved Cabin in the Woods and Scream. Some of those like Scream is a little more subtle, which I like. Uh, and I also really like this movie, Welcome to Willits. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix, and it's pretty similar to Cabin in the Woods. Hmm. I think even one of the actors from Cabin in the Woods was in Welcome to Willits. It was pretty good. I think you'd enjoy it. You should check it out. But one thing I liked about Bubba Hotep a lot was that it doesn't really feel like a horror comedy, even though I kind of looked up the movie before we watched it, and I think it's branded like a horror comedy on most sites. But the kind of horror elements seem very understated, and almost just seems more supernatural, which I actually liked. Because, like you were saying, horror comedies can be really hit or miss. Uh, so, did you feel like this was more horror comedy, or did you think the horror was a little more on the supernatural and fantasy side? I feel like some of the original horror movies that really came about or involved some of the more classic monsters like the mummy and the wolfman and i think it does definitely touch upon a horror element and it's funny so it's a horror comedy to me um it is a little supernatural because there's like spells and all this stuff like that but i think that is a genuine horror comedy it almost reminded me of some of the Abbott and Costello movies, like Abbott and Costello meet like the Wolfman, uh, in the way that it has these two unlikely heroes who kind of bumble their way through most of the movie. Right. And it even meet the mummy. Right. Um, so, one aspect, though... I thought most of the movie was pretty good, but 
I felt like it was stronger for the first half, maybe three quarters. And then once it centered more around the mummy, I felt like it kind of slowed down a bit. And it was still fun and campy, but it just felt a little more straightforward. So I tended to like the comedic parts in the first half, especially Bruce Campbell's dialogue, both his like internal monologue as well as his interactions with JFK. Yeah. Yeah, like, as you said before, I could not envision anybody else in the role of Elvis Presley or Sebastian Half other than Bruce Campbell. I think that the comedy really, really touches a nerve with with me with this movie. It really, I, I like, it's just laughs all around, really. Yeah, when we were watching this, I was just cracking up almost every line that Bruce Campbell utters in this movie. And credit that in part to Campbell for his delivery, but also it was a very well-written movie. Yes. Uh, And even the plot is very clever, which I liked. Um, But did you feel like the end was as strong as its beginning. I do not, but I kind I kind of like the way it ended cuz spoiler, he kind of he dies in the end, but like he kind of dies on his own terms, which I like. I like the way it ended, but I don't think it was as strong as the rest of the movie. I totally agree with that summary. And I, I also really appreciated that he dies at the end because that was an atypical ending and over all around Bubba Hotep is just a very unconventional film in terms of its plot, its execution uh, and even the way that it kills off its protagonist at the end exactly I think it kills off both of them it does. Yeah, it kills, it kills off, off both, both of them. Because there's Bruce Campbell and um, the guy who plays... What's his name? The guy who plays JFK? That would be Aussie David. Uh, he, he is also fantastic. <laughs> and I love the fact when Bruce Campbell comes into his bedroom and there's just newspaper clippings <laughs> and conspiracy theories about who shot... JFK and he has like dioramas of like how someone would shoot him from that angle and stuff like that it's just really hilarious it was ridiculous and it's such a detail oriented movie with the dioramas and the newspaper clippings and even even the two uh, the two funeral home workers who are always just botching carrying up the caskets yeah that I thought was a, a really nice touch and kind of served as uh, interludes between different segments of the I film. always kind of enjoy when there's a running gag throughout the movie. I always enjoy that. Yeah. No, that was, that was a very nice touch. Uh, it was just cracking up the whole time. Um, are there any movies you can think of that are even similar to Bubba Hotep? <sighs> It's a very unconventional movie, as you said. 
Um, I think that Evil Dead Two kind of plays into the into that aspect, where you take an uh, old horror element and you kind of add funny to it. But it's a very unconventional movie, and I don't think there's quite anything like it that has made, been made since or before then. Yeah, I couldn't really think of any movies, though I, I tried, and the closest that I could come up with was Evil Dead 2. Right. Because the first Evil Dead, it's horror comedy, but the comedy mostly derives from the fact that it was just so low budget. Right. Evil Dead 2 was much more intentional comedy, and it was kind of more nuanced, similar to Bubba Hotep, right? It had its Bruce Campbell too. with his deliveries, with Bruce Campbell with his delivery, also made Evil Dead too. Oh, easily, yeah. Because much of that film was just Bruce Campbell, basically like alone in a room, right? <laughs> and I feel like he he also makes Bubba Hotel. But I mean, uh, I thought Aussie Davies JFK was fantastic as well. It was kind of like uh, the convalescent home odd couple. <laughs> you know, that's a good that's a good descriptor for this. So, did you think that the events of this movie were actually occurring? Or that it was just kind of two old guys who were losing their shit and Bible narrator kind of scenario? I think that's a... Like, I've never really thought about that. The fact that this could not be happening and these two old men could just be going senile. That's a very good point. Um, I I always took it for its face value. And I always thought, like, they were really seeing this. I never really brought into the fact that they may be losing it upstairs. But if you really look at what's going on with the story with him being Elvis Presley and the guy thinking that he's JFK, it's a strong possibility that they were just running around this convalescent home just going senile. Yeah, so uh, I believe that it was meant to be taken straightforward as this is occurring, but while we were watching it, that was definitely something that kind of crept into the back of my mind of you could view this as there's going senile and it was kind of their last hurrah their friends are all dying and they kind of made up this story to go along with that to kind of try and fight death right so I think it's kind of a neat interpretation but I don't think that's what was going on in the film I think that's a good way to look at it, Mo. It's it's good to st- think about different scenarios with this movie. I didn't even think of that one, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it just comes back to how zany this movie is that it does allow for some creativity just because of how creative it is in and of itself. Exactly. But then again, um, the guy that directed this movie 
always kind of left room for your own theories, especially with movies like The Phantasm and stuff like that. I've not seen the new Phantasm movie, but I know in the original Phantasm, they kind of little open-ended for you to... What is really going on in this movie? To let you think about what's going on in it. So it's, it wouldn't surprise me if he purposely made it that way. I do think it was purposefully kind of open-ended. And a lot of my assumption of that, again, derives from what you were saying the director's past works like Phantasm. And I haven't seen the new Phantasm either, but the earlier ones definitely left a lot open to the imagination and also had that fantasy vibe. Yeah. You know, those were more along the horror lines, but definitely had the fantasy elements going for them. And John Dies at the End definitely had that fantasy element to it. I haven't seen that one. I saw it once. I can't give you details because I don't really remember. It's been so long. But it definitely brought a fantasy element to the movie. I will have to check that one out. Alright, so with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking about Bubba Hotel. You gonna throw all that stuff out? Yeah. Could I have one of them pictures of Bull? Maybe his, uh, his purple heart? I mean, he's pretty proud of that. Maybe that, uh, that tin of chocolates there? I suppose. The revealing of her panties wasn't intentional or unintentional. She just didn't give a damn. She saw me as so physically and sexually non-threatening, she didn't mind if I got a bird's eye view of her love nest. It was the same to her as a house cat sneaking a peek. I felt my pecker flutter once like a pigeon having a heart attack, and then lay back down and remain limp and still. Of course, these days, even a flutter was kind of reassuring. Thank you. So, uh... Bull your kin? My daddy. Never seen you here before. I've only been here once before, when I checked him in. It was three years ago, wasn't it? You and him friends? No, he's just roommates. I mean, he never felt good enough to say much. Just hated to see what was left of him go away so easy. Seemed like an all right guy. Mentioned you a lot. You're, uh, you're Callie, right? Yeah. Well, he was all right. But not enough so you'd come and see him, though. Don't lay some guilt trip on me, mister. I did what I could. I mean, if it hadn't been for Medicaid or Medicare, whatever that stuff was, he'd have been in some ditch somewhere. And I sure didn't have the money to take care of him. My own daughter, lost long ago to me. If she knew I lived, would she come and see me? Would she even care? 
You could have come and seen him. They don't charge you for that. Mind your own business. I was busy. Hey guys, we're back and we are talking about Bubba Hotep. So, kind of like we were we were talking about, Gabe, a lot of the comedy here and what makes this movie so enjoyable is the dialogue. Did you have any favorite lines? Not in particular. I thought it was all kind of was it, it's it's like a fantastic book. It just goes so well together. Yeah. And interestingly, it's actually based off of a book. It is? Yeah, it's based off of a novella. So, it was, I think, in the kind of mid-90s that it came out. Uh, It was 94, actually. And it was written by Joe R. Lansdale. I'm not familiar with the novella, but reportedly it's uh, the movie follows the novella pretty closely. Really? Yeah. I don't know anything else that this author has done. What's the name? Is the name of the novella just Bubba Hotep, or what is it called? Uh, it is, and it is in the Elvis Presley-themed anthology, The King is Dead. The King is Dead? Yeah. So it's it's like an alternate history. So based on that, it is supposed to be taken at face value. Ah. But I still think the movie was kind of made a little more open-ended, which I liked. Um, but I thought that was actually kind of interesting that this was based off of a book, because until I was doing research for the, this episode, I didn't realize that. Do you have any favorite or least favorite film adaptations of books? Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Like, this is a tough one for me. Is I don't... Like, a lot of the books I love aren't made into movies. So... Um... A really, I'll give a really good one that I just saw was Horns, um, which was um, written by Joe Hill, and that is actually Stephen King's son. Did not realize that. It stars Daniel Radcliffe of Harry Potter fame. It was really well done. I like the book and the movie. Um, I think my least favorite movie made from a book was and it's still a good movie was the original It movie (laughs) because Tim Curry just brought that movie to life everything else about it was not that fantastic and also both of these are good in their own right, but I don't think the movie really does the book justice was a book by Stephen King called The Running Man. Okay. Yeah, the the Running Man movie was 
good, but it was kind of unintentionally cheesy. Yeah. And the themes in it are actually pretty thought-provoking. Yeah. So I think if it had been made maybe in a different era, maybe with different actors, instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. I think it could have been a little bit more powerful than it ended up being. Right. Um, so a couple of my favorites. I really liked 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. The book is, of course, fantastic. And I don't know if you've seen the Disney adaptation from the 50s, but I liked what they did there in taking the themes of the novel and kind of updating that because it had kind of a theme of like nuclear energy in there and uh, it definitely had this this interesting anti-war message in it, which I liked. Uh, Blade Runner, of course, uh, Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal. So Hannibal's actually one of the few films that I can think of where I actually thought the movie was better than the book. Really? Yes. Have you read the book? So, I don't want to give away too much about the book, but the end of the movie, I think, is more realistic than the way the book ends. The novel ends on a very strange note that I thought was completely unrealistic and just pole vaulted the shark. It was pretty bad. Another one of my favorite book adaptations was... A Clockwork Orange. Mm. That movie is brutal. The book is even more brutal. Uh, but, I mean, anything Cooper touched was just pure gold. Of course. And there, there are a couple that were kind of simultaneous that I like as well. So the book and the movie were made at the same time. Like, another Kubrick film, 2001 A Space Odyssey. And one that I really enjoyed the book and the movie of is uh, The Legacy, which had Sam Elliott and Catherine Ross in it. And that had a weird history where the book, the novelization of the movie, ended up coming out before the movie was released in the States because there was some delay with the release and became a bestseller. And then when the movie came out here, everyone thought that it was based on the book when, in fact, the novelization was written at the exact same time as the movie but that actually helped the movie to have more success that way which I thought was kind of interesting um, I thought The Girl on the Train was really good and uh, I also really liked Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy I thought those were both good adaptations um, so a couple lines that I wanted to point out that I enjoyed a lot were uh, Elvis says no offense Jack but President Kennedy was a white man to which JFK responds, they dyed me this color. That's how clever they are. <laughs> uh, this was one that I think we both just lost it when they said it, but Elvis goes, come on, Marilyn Monroe, how was she in the sack? And JFK says, that is classified information, top secret, but between you and me, wow. <laughs> Uh, and then I, I'd mentioned a few times Bruce Campbell's internal monologues so there's one part he's, he's just lying in the <laughs> in the bed at Shady Rest and he says she saw me so physically and sexually non-threatening 
She didn't mind if I got a bird's eye view of her love nest. <laughs> it was the same to her as a house cat sneaking a peek. I felt my pecker flutter once, like a pigeon having a heart attack. <laughs> then lay back down and remain limp and still. Of course, these days, even a flutter was kind of reassuring. <laughs> and, I mean, Campbell's delivery is just spot on there. But it's very well written. It is. When you read that, it's very descriptive. I thought the script was fantastic in this movie. Speaking of Campbell's performance, it would be remiss to review this film without talking about Campbell playing Elvis and playing Sebastian Half as the Elvis impersonator. <laughs> that scene was just magical. It, it, it's it's film gold is what it is. <laughs> it is film gold. Uh, that was that was not something I, that I was expecting when Elvis goes to visit Sebastian Half. But then as soon as he started opening the door, I immediately knew it was about to happen. Because that, that's tough to pull off, playing two characters in a movie, especially two talking to one another. Exactly. And Campbell just completely nails it. it, it it's really an interesting scene to see how the two interact with each other, or the one, it's just <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a magical scene. Are, are there any other films that you can think of that pull off a similar feat? The Nutty Professor? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you're talking about the the clumps with yeah. Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Okay, that's actually that's a that's a good that's a good example. And I guess to kind of dovetail off that, Coming to America. Yes, yes. Yeah, where Eddie Murphy plays like multiple characters. He he did that very well. Um, also, I think Doctor Strangelove did that well. I have not seen Doctor Strangelove. Oh. That needs to be corrected. We need to fix this. It's been a while in our podcast where there's a movie I haven't seen. Yeah, I know. Usually it's usually it's movies that I haven't seen. Uh, so, I need to start bringing up more that you haven't seen so we can yeah. kind of reverse that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a classic. Um, yeah, I, 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 thought, uh, I thought that was a good storyline. And again, I think that kind of supports the straightforward storyline of course again that could have been senile Elvis impersonator having memories that he fabricated yeah of assuming the role of the Elvis impersonator when he was actually Elvis yeah <laughs> so was, I would have liked to seen a flashback of JFK in a similar aspect. I thought that would have been hilarious. I think that's one of the few things that this movie's missing. Is a flashback of that. And there's even that part where Elvis sees the scar on the back of the neck. Yeah. That like, could be the like a bullet wound. And then JFK starts talking about how they like replaced his brain with sand. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I put a bag of sand in there. <laughs> Uh, and, and Elvis starts to say something and he's just like ah fuck it I'm gonna drop it 
There's there's nothing logical that can come of this conversation. So we kind of talked a little bit earlier about how it would be tough for anyone to replace Bruce Campbell in this role, but let's do fantasy casting. If you were remaking this movie, who would you cast as Elvis and who would you cast as JFK? Oh man, that's so tough. That is really, really tough. Um, I might get um, Morgan Freeman to play JFK. That's a good choice. That's a very good choice. <laughs> Elvis Presley is a tough one. Very tough. Ooh, like... Because a lot of the comedians are not like the comedian like not the kind of comedian that Bruce Campbell is and that's that that there lies the issue within Bruce Campbell's the only one that could have pulled this off and I can't think of another person that could have pulled it off as well you know who I think could have pulled it off I don't oh. know necessarily as well but I think could have pulled it off pretty well Kurt Russell yeah yeah, Kurt Russell could have could have done it. I recently rewatched Big Trouble in Little China. Infinitely watchable. And a lot of his lines in there as Jack Burton, I feel like he could have used that delivery to portray Elvis in this. Some of the lines he's talking to himself a lot. So I felt like he could have done that well. And interestingly... Kurt Russell played Elvis in a 1970s made-for-TV movie. Really? Yes. And it was called Elvis. So that's who I'd pick for Elvis. As JFK, I think Morgan Freeman would be a great choice. But I also think Danny Glover could be good. Yeah. And a lot of that, I was thinking of his role as like Murtaugh in the Lethal Weapon Weapon movies. You know, because... He's always like, I'm getting too old for this shit. Kind of a natural precursor to being in a retirement home. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely could have seen that. Um, I just think, like, even Kurt Russell, I think he would have done a good job, but I don't think it really would have held a candle to Bruce Campbell's performance in this movie. And And it kind of... Let you, lets people know, like, Bruce Campbell is actually a very, very good actor. Oh, he's a fantastic actor. And I don't think he gets the credit for being as talented as he is. Probably because a lot of the works that he's in are very comedic. Right. And... I guess people just don't recognize his prowess. But it takes a lot of skill to pull off comedy and do it well. Especially comedy horror. But here's the thing. There's, like, actors in this world that they'll always be known for something. Like Daniel Radcliffe, he'll always be the Harry Potter kid. And Bruce Campbell will always be the evil dead guy. Always. And that's where he he kind of gets thrown under the bus when it comes to this because people don't realize 
what a he can be quite a chameleon sometimes. Sure, he's usually funny, but he can do different types of comedy and not just Evil Dead. Oh, he can do a lot of different kinds of comedy. Actually, one of my favorite Bruce Campbell roles was is this very underappreciated television series in 2000 called Jack of All Trades. And it was set in the 19th century and uh, he plays Jack, an American secret agent sent there by President Jefferson. And it was this kind of goofy, campy spy show. It only ran for two seasons and had this like steampunk vibe to it. But I think that's a great example of Bruce Campbell's versatility. Because like you were saying, he tends to be in a lot of these like horror comedy roles, and that was not a horror comedy. He was also on Bird Notice, which was a good show. And he was on Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, as well as Xena Warrior Princess. Again, those were kind of roles outside of the horror comedy genre. He was also in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Each time is a different role. Yeah, Raimi just really enjoys working with Campbell. You know how they're just those actor-director combos that tend to happen a lot? Like John Carpenter and Kurt Russell uh, or Sam Jack and Tarantino. Yeah, Raimi and, and Campbell. That's one of those uh, powerhouse combos. I, I thought that was a nice touch having him in the Spider-Man movies, because even though it was like a bit part, it was still kind of fun, especially for fans of Bruce Campbell and of Sam Raimi. Like, I, I remember the first one where he played um, the, the ring announcer for the wrestling match in the first Spider-Man movie. I thought that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> that was fantastic. Did you know that Campbell also had a starring voice role in the 2009 Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs movie. No. Who did he play in that? He played... uh, You know, I gotta look this up. Because I forgot who he played. But he was actually in it. And... That was something I didn't realize until, again, I was doing research for this episode. Uh, He was Mayor Shelbourne. Really? Yeah, so he co-starred along with uh, Bill Hader, Anna Faris, James Caan, and Andy Samberg. And Mr. T. (laughs) This is a weird fucking cast. Al Roker's in this movie. Will Forte. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be reviewing that one. (laughs) No... But it just really speaks to Bruce Campbell's acting abilities and his adaptability to star in something like the Evil Dead franchise or an animated kids film or a 19th century action spy comedy. And Bubba Hotep might be my favorite role of his. It's a very good role. Yeah. He did a he he knocked it out of the park with this one, ladies and gents. This is just, it's it's Bruce Campbell at his best, easily. Although I am a big fan of him in the Ash versus the Evil Dead series. That is a very good show. 
Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's kind of neat the way it extends the Evil Dead universe. And it kind of strikes a very nice balance between like the first two Evil Dead movies and even the Fetty Alvarez remake. Because it's a little bit more horror-tinged, though it still maintains a lot of the comedy, but it just doesn't feel like it's as slapstick. Right. And I also like the way they've progressed Ash's character into, instead of, like, a suave, cunning man, he's just an old pervert now. (laughs) Yeah. There's this one scene, like, it's, like, in the very first episode where he has replaced his hand with, like, a piece of wood, a wooden hand, and he was showing a girl, and he's like... This is what happens when you save an eight-year-old child from a train tracks. And he's totally lying from getting run, run over by a train. And she's like, oh, like wooed over that. And he's just like an old, nasty pervert now that wears dentures and a girdle. And I love the way they progressed that character. That was a very nice touch. I was initially skeptical when I found out about Ash vs. Evil Dead... But then, from the onset with the first episode, I was immediately sold. Oh, yeah. It gives you more of a Evil Dead 2 vibe, but there are elements from the first one, and even a little Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness was... That was an interesting film. I like it a lot, but of the first three Evil Dead movies, it's probably my least favorite. Really? Yeah, you know, I don't know why. I think it's just because of how different it is. And on the one hand, I applaud that it took the trilogy in a new direction. But at the same time, it just felt so much like a drastic departure from the first two films. That for me, I almost look at it when I'm watching it as like a standalone movie. Right. Because I think it may have... It could have worked better almost as like the first film kind of setting up the backstory to what happens in the later films right like I feel it it was trying to set these movies up for something even bigger like something that he like we could keep on making these movies and have them going on different type adventures to defeat the Deadites. And I think that's kind of what Ash vs. Evil Dead is doing now. They've brought different kind of creatures and characters into it. And I thought that's what they were trying to do with Army of Darkness. But it just did not work out that way. No. Don't get me wrong. I love Army of Darkness. Oh, yeah, me too. I love that whole trilogy. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the reboot. I liked the Fede Alvarez reboot very much. I thought it brought back more of a horror element to this to the series, but it really goes to say that the fact that they didn't use Ash in that movie let let you know that Bruce Campbell is the only one that could play Ash. It's the fact that they didn't you p- pick someone else to play Ash let me know that they did not want to do that, and they just rewrote the story with different characters. N- no one could have portrayed Ash. Right. That, that is a sacred character right there. Yeah, exactly. That is hallowed ground. You do not tread on that. It's like Robert England and Freddy Krueger. 
Yeah, there's just some of those roles that it's tough to get another actor to play. And, and they've the done it with Freddy Krueger, but it didn't turn out that great. No, because they didn't have the personality. Right. Something like Michael Myers or Jason, Jason Voorhees. Exactly. You can get anyone to set in Or that Leatherface. Right. You can get other people to play those characters. There's not a ton of personality and substance in those characters. Because they don't speak. Right. But when it comes to Ash and Freddy Krueger and characters like that, it's and they're so renowned, you cannot have other people playing those characters. And something I've seen recently that still kind of irks me is that they've recast Pinhead in, in, in sequel movies. And, and Pinhead is, is one of my favorite villains just because of the way that he's so much more prone to exposition than to actually taking action. Right. But that's one of those characters that no one but Doug Bradley Should do. can pull that off. Yeah. Right. Others have tried and give them credit. They, they put a lot of effort into it, but you just can't top Doug no, Bradley. No, no. And even even Doug Bradley in the third one, not through any fault of Bradley's, but I didn't think that Pinhead was very good. That was mostly writing. There were some, there were some flaws in there where it seemed like the Cenobite's logic from the first two movies was sort of contradicted in the third one a bit. Yeah. So I was, I was not a fan of that one. But Doug Bradley in the first, he's pure gold right there. Oh, yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to keep talking about Bubba Hotel. That's where they took a piece of my brain. They got it back in D.C. in that goddamn job. I got a little bag of sand up there now. Jack, uh, no offense, but President Kennedy was a white man. That's how clever they are. They dyed me this color. All over. Can you think of a better way to hide the truth than that? Mr. Kennedy? Yeah. Hey, man. You're on the floor. No shit. Who are you? Look, I'm... Sebastian. Sebastian Half. Did you see him go by in the hall? He scuttled like... 
Who, man? The one they sent. Who's they? Oh, you know who. No, Jack, I don't. Come on, man. Lyndon Johnson. Castro, maybe. They sent somebody to finish me off. I think maybe it was Johnson himself. Real ugly. Real goddamn ugly. Hey, look, man. President Johnson's dead. Shit. That ain't gonna stop him. Hey, guys. We're back, and we are talking about Bubba Hotep. So, do you have a favorite Bruce Campbell film? This is... Uh, this is probably number two on my list. Number one would definitely have to be Evil Dead 2. Third, Evil Dead, you know, um, that's pretty much, yeah. That that would definitely be my, my ratings. Evil Dead 2 is my favorite as well. And Bubba Hotep is a very close second. Why don't we rate this? All right. This was your pick. I'll this is my first. pick. And I'm going to give this one a pretty high rating, Maul. I am giving this movie, Bubba Hotep, with Bruce Campbell, a 4.8 out of 5. And why a 4.8? I feel like this is a well-written, well-acted, well-cast piece of art and there was the only thing I could really want more from it was the JFK a little bit more on JFK character but everything just was molded so well together it just flowed so good it didn't feel like I was watching a movie that was too short or too long it felt just perfect so 4.8 I think is a good rating because there was not a lot of things I could pick about this movie and, the, and they gave me a lot of things I wanted from a movie like this. That's a fair score. I'm going to go in high, but a little bit lower than that with a four. Mm-hmm. And I loved the acting, especially from Campbell and Davis. I thought it was phenomenal, well-written, excellent directing. I did kind of like you said, I wanted a little bit more of the JFK backstory. But I think mostly why my score is a bit lower is it just felt like it lost a bit of its steam once it started concentrating mostly on Bubba Hotep the Mummy. And I kind of preferred the clever dialogue at the beginning instead of when it kind of derailed into this straightforward action adventure right. story. It felt like it was a little bit less character driven at that point. I can see your viewpoint very well. I, I just have a soft spot for this movie, I guess. Don't get me wrong, I loved it. And this is absolutely one that I can watch again. It, it, <laughs> it seems like it has a lot of replay value. Alright, so that's our show for tonight. Thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget, head over to the iTunes store, subscribe, leave us a rating. 
please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please, stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Stop it.